0: We've started a new conversation, a new series uh, today, morning and evening. And I'll do a different message, but same topic. And I want to talk to you, I feel very um, compelled or led to talk to you about cultivating spiritual skills. I want to talk to you about skills that every believer Should seek. Um, One of the things you become aware of when you start your spiritual journey is uh, that initially you become aware that you were far from God. Like at some point you realize God's standards are up there and I miss them. And you become aware that uh, I guess either you have failed Him in some kind of way or you failed yourself or you just feel like there's a huge disconnect between the man Jesus or the woman Jesus wants you to be and the person you are. And that moment, that line you arrive at is what we call saving knowledge. It's like it's this moment where you realize, okay, I am, I am something without batteries uh, right now. And to fully be who God wants me to be, I need Jesus. Amen. And the road that gets you there is this awareness of inadequacy. I'm not enough on my own. And in fact, I I have a dark, I mean, I have a dark side and I have a sinful side and, and I can smile and I'm a good guy and I can help and I can do a lot of things, but there's another side in me that's empty and insufficient and void and hurtful to God and hurtful to others. Can you say amen to that? Maybe not about, Maybe not about you, but maybe the person you're sitting next to uh, tonight. Don't look down. And all of those things are completely good, uh, truthful rather, and sound. This awareness of inadequacy. But there's a problem in our Christian journey when we can't shake that inadequacy feeling off forever there's a concern that arises that even once we've accepted Jesus, we feel like we're chasing an impossible goal, that God wants us to be praying more and God wants us to be worshiping more and God wants us to be serving more and God wants us to be giving more and God wants us, and there's this, this um, uh, impossible uh, uh, gap that is never reached now that's a dangerous thing. Because once we come into this place of wholeness with the Lord by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we have to accept that God has now begun a new work and that you are a new creation and all things are passed away and all things are made you new and you're allowed to be good at stuff. And that transition's really important. Because... Uh, most of us are, um, are, can very quickly list. Well, you know what I, I, you know, my thought life needs work, or my language needs work, or my a laziness spirit needs to be cast out. Like there at six o'clock in the morning, the demon of laziness visits me and I just can't get out of bed. We can list the things we're working on, but for some reason the devil keeps us away from listing the things God has empowered us with and that we are capable of and strong at and good at. And it's almost become like Proudful to say, God has made me able, I'm good at that. And I want to shake that loose to give you permission, in a way, to say that um, God has put good stuff in you, and you're allowed to say that. And you're allowed to say, thanks to the grace of God, I am who I am. I'm not what I was, and I'm not yet who He is. But I'm here, and I'm in this place, position, status, uh, uh, season, and it's good. Things are allowed to be good. Can you say amen to that? They're allowed to be good. I know it's a struggle. I mean, I'm feeling the resistance. Like, you want everything to be like a fight against evil, and a fight against the government, and a fight against your partner, and a fight against the dog and the budget. And for some reason, you want good to be somewhere in heaven. Like when we walk on the streets of gold, it'll be good. But until then, it is a fight. But I want you to know that is, um, you know, if the devil can't stop you, he'll chase you. And you have to be careful not to allow the devil to put you in a vortex of impossibility. Where it's not possible for you to get to a point where you can say, this is good. What a good season. What a good moment. When God created us, before Adam uh, fell, uh, God said it was good. In fact, when He got to uh, man, you know, he says, good, 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 very good. And then when he made woman, he didn't have words. I mean, that's that's, that's a good, that's, that is, a wooing from the pulpit. That is making all the ladies happy and giving all the men ammunition. Uh, and then we get into the sin state and then Jesus comes and fixes the sin state and then it seems that good is elusive. Well, I want to speak against that tonight and I want to encourage you that God is making you able and you're allowed to say, I've got skills. Amen? And um, it's a strange thing that um, uh, uh, we think it is a, a pride to do that. But actually it honors God to let people know that because God is in me, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because God is in me, I am able. And to learn what those abilities are and own them and then live them out is the great pleasure of life. It's one of those great joys of life is to figure out what God has made you able and then do it. Like there's some people here, maybe you're just like, I mean, you can pray. Or there's just no amens there, so I'm just going to move on to something else. I'm going to move on. Like you could just, you can sing. The predictable front row. Or maybe there's just some people out here I'm expecting no amens, you just, you can give. Whoa, nice one. Or maybe there's some people out here and you can just confidently say like, I'll tell you what, my, I, what, what I'm able, I'm to, I show up. Like I show up in the good times and I show up in the bad times. I am good at being consistent. They're allowed to say that. They're allowed to say that. I'm very worried that our sin awareness is robbing us of our salvation awareness. You've got to turn that thing on its head because what the devil comes to you at with your not good, you've got to come to him with, but I am good at. I may falter, but you don't know me. You start me praying, I won't stop until you are broken, Satan. Like I, If you start my engine of prayer, it won't go well for you. Like, you've got to be able to own that. Now, I'm I'm worried that as a result, Christians live their lives chasing the invisible mirage of becoming somebody, while the rest of the world's just having a good time, accepted themselves, warts and all, as they are, and they're like just smiling through their ignorance, and Christians are always working on something. We've got to snap out of it. And let the work of God finish itself within you and live it with full joy. Can you say amen to that? Live it with full joy. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you're wondering if it's in, even in the Bible. One, it's like that's a lot of talking without a verse. Um, I'm I'm coming. I'm coming. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from the Amplified. As I said this morning, that's the, uh, the translation with all the spices in it. It's got lots of spicy words in it. According to the remarkable grace of God, which was given to me to prepare me for my task... Like a skillful master builder, I lay a foundation and now another builds on it. Each one must be careful how he builds on it. Uh, I I don't know why I got surprised by the comma. I said this morning I shouldn't be surprised. Thanks, Matt, for not saying anything. Um, I, I will read Psalms in a moment. I'll tell you what I like about that verse. Paul says, I'm good. He said, I'm a skilled master builder. Imagine, you know, maybe people, especially pastors, should print less business cards saying apostle, prophet, evangelist. Let's be able to say, I'm a wise, I'm a skilled master builder. You're allowed to own the great thing that God is making out of your life. You're allowed to say that. Can you say amen to that? There's something valuable about being step, is about being able to step out with confidence that God has done a work. Once. We were not a people of God, the Bible says, but now we are the people of God. Once we were far from God, but now we are close. Once we were strangers and foreigners, but now members of the household of God. Once we were seated far away, but now I'm seated with him in heavenly places. These are all affirmations of confidence if you will let Christ do his work in your life. And we we have to be able to own it. You might No, because you've done so many of those aptitude tests. You might know all your weaknesses. I'm shy or I'm type personality, this or I'm that. But what do you know about who you are based on your biblical identity? I am strong in the Lord. I am on firm foundation. I am the head and not the tail. The Lord is with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. Do you see what I mean? You're almost resisting because you're just not used to accepting the affirmation of the result of salvation. But why be saved if, if salvation doesn't come and rest in you? Straight away. Not when you die. Straight away. So many people are waiting to live life fully only after they die, when they are in heaven, when your life is to be lived fully because somebody did die, Jesus Christ, and was resurrected from the dead so you don't have to wait until yours. His death, so you don't have to wait for yours. I read Psalm 78 this morning and I want to share it with you uh, tonight also. It's an anchoring verse for this series of conversations. It's about David and his life. If you know David, one of the most popular verses about David, people who, who get into um, moral trouble always quote this, they always say, you know, that David, you know, with all his problems, even though he had all these problems, yet he was a man Look at all of you sinners repeating it. It was a man after God's own heart. So with that in mind, I want to read Psalm 78, verse 71. David went from tending the sheep. God brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, and of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands, he led them. Seems like an obvious psalm, but let me say what's so powerful about it. It wasn't just that David had a good heart, David also had skills. Skillful hands. You know, those of you who know his story, he was a good shepherd. He loved the sheep, but he also knew how to fight. He picked fights with sometimes the right people and sometimes the wrong people. But when he got in front of Goliath, he knew how to drop. Goliath in that moment. Here's what I wanted to tell you, uh, is that having a good heart isn't enough. You know, in fact, there's almost an insult when people say, oh, shame, he has a good heart. How many of you know when someone says, their heart's in the right place? How many of you know that's not a, like, that's not that's like a, oh, shame. Like, bless his heart. Like, all of those terms are not comparable Like, you know, they did their best. Their heart was in the right place. I mean, they're a mess, but they've got a good heart. Like that. I'm not sure that's an amen moment yet. The point, the point is, heart isn't enough. It's only half the story. Having a good heart is half the story. The other half is skills. You need some skills, you need to complement your heart. Your love for God, your love for people, your love for life with skills. The skill of praying, the skill of seeking, the skill of knowing, the skill of discerning, the skill of loving, of forgiving, of generosity. You've got to get skillful to match the condition of your heart. That's why David was so mighty. It's wrong to say that David is just a man after God's own heart. Da- David was a man after God's own heart, but he also had skills. Let me tell you one of David's skills that people like to forget, especially the ones who quote it when they've made a mistake. David knew how to repent. No, he did. No, he did. I mean, first of all, because he had to do it often. Like every <laughs> a couple of years, is David coming around. But... <laughs> So he came. But David knew how to repent. You should read some of the repenting psalms David wrote. Oh, he was broken. He said, take not your spirit from me. Oh, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit with me. That was David. He wrote that. Where will I go? To get away from you. Even if I make my bed in hell somehow. You found me there. But David knew how to repent. <laughs> he was a very emotional guy. He wrote the Psalms. He played the harp. <laughs> Wept. Dressed uh, fancy, and then you know kept losing his clothes <laughs> all the wrong places. Those of you who know about I'm sure about. It was like, he, David was emo. <laughs> but when it was time to fight, he knew how to fight. When it was time to worship God, he knew how to dance before the Lord. He was an all-in guy. He had a heart of integrity, but he had some skills. you got some people, they got a great heart, but... <sighs> They don't worship when it's time to worship, and they don't show up when it's time to show up, and they don't repent when it's time to repent, and they don't—they got no, they cultivated no skills, and I'm putting on as friendlier faces as I possibly can to tell you that that's not enough to get to where God wants to take you. Can you say Amen? You need heart and skills. And I think that's just so incredibly vital. Yeah, by the way, um, if, if you're here and you're not a Christian and you're just like looking for inspiration uh, from the Bible, you should firstly become a Christian. It'll change your life. It's like the most inspiring thing. Like coming to church here is like getting a bit of light in the darkness of your soul. Getting saved is like taking the torch home. Like it's a big difference. You're welcome around our light. <laughs> In the comb, in the dock, but literally in South Africa, like it couldn't be more literal. Like it's gonna be off at nine. But if you find Jesus Christ, accept as your Lord and Savior, it's getting the torch. Then it really doesn't matter. You know, they I walk through the shadow, of the valley of death. I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. It's a huge difference. But but but, but you know, um, this principle is true even if you're not a Christian. You can have a heart for like loving food. And open a restaurant, but you don't. If you don't have skills, if you don't know how to do a budget, employ people, actually cook. If you can't make eggs, do you make them? I don't know. What do you do with them? <laughs> if you can't fry them, you can't cook. Them, your heart can be all over the place. You have a huge art. Got no skills. In Luke chapter fourteen, Jesus tells a story describing some of these skills. And I thought I'd read that and we'll have a look at a couple of them. And then like, I think I've gone in really hard, lent in really hard tonight and maybe we'll, we'll spend a bit of time in prayer. But Luke 14 from the NIV, um, good translation, solid translation. Verse 25, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turned to them, uh, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate... such a Oh, I forgot how heavy the scripture is. Okay, I'll explain it. He does not hate father and mother, wife and child, brother and sister. Yes, even their own lives, such a person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not, carries on, does not carry his cross and follow me, cannot be my disip- disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king uh, uh, is uh, about to go to war against another king. Wouldn't you first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is able, uh, he will send a deleg- If he's not able, to send a delegation. While the other is still a long way off, he'll ask for terms of peace in the same way. Those of you who do, do not give up everything you, you have ca- cannot be my disciples. Whew. That's a big passage of scripture. How I many of you feel like a slice of pizza after that is the least the church can do for you? Like after taking you through that trauma of that verse. Um, uh, the, the term hate, I, 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 it would be, I mean, we don't, we don't have time tonight to cover that term, um, uh, and it's quite helpful that I'm Greek, so you guys are really, uh, it's wonderful to be in a church with, a, with some Greeks. Uh, that term hate is a, a term in relation or comparison to another thing. It's not, it doesn't stand by itself, uh, in other words, if I say to you, uh, which one do you love, um, Coca-Cola uh, or Pepsi? Uh, this scripture is saying you must love the one and hate the other. Like a, in comparison, it must be, I don't know which one you are, it really doesn't matter. Like we could do a test some other day or maybe Coke and Fanta. I don't know, Fanta's is a big thing in South Africa. And then cream soda is like, it's still a thing. I don't, I don't understand why it's still a thing. Is it still a thing? Really? Okay, well, we can talk about that under the category of things you need to be saved from. Um, uh, we, we have a conversation. So it's in comparison. So what, what that verse is really saying is, do you love your father and your mother? Yes. Love God so much that it would look like, in comparison, you hate it. That's the level. And then he describes why. He's saying, uh, Jesus is saying, uh, because uh, loving your father and mother doesn't come with the same cost as loving God. There's like a cost to loving God. And you need to consider ways of of, of carrying your cross. So we'll talk about that on another evening. But, but I, I, I do think what is maybe important, what I can get out of that verse for you that might be helpful is an awareness that um, if you love God like you love other things I don't think you get it. I think maybe ew, it's quiet here. It'll be okay. We love you. Your heart's in the right place shame. <laughs> Did I just do that? Sorry, not sorry. I don't know what I'm saying. I took two Mopridol before the service. That's, <laughs> it's definitely kicked in, Mike, definitely, because I had a migraine and I said, Mike, can you get me some Mopridol? And I'm on at least two right now. Love you all so much. <laughs> Wonderful people. It is important to not mix up loves. Not mix up loves. You, you can't say, I, uh, I loved watching this series. And then I love my wife. Just imagine. And then I love God. This verse is trying to say, okay, those are not the same. You can switch off the series. You can fall out of love with the series. You can love your wife but be very angry with your wife at the same time. But when you say you love God, you can't switch him off and you can't be angry with him. You've got to just walk in obedience to him. It's just not the same kind of love. Do you get it? That's the difference. So I thought maybe um, in the minutes we have, um, let's talk about... um, the skills this chapter, Luke 14, describes on how to win, the skill of war. This morning I talked about the skill of wisdom. And really, if you, um, if you went in the morning service, please go to YouTube and please subscribe. We're like so close to 10,000, and for some reason, subscribers, for some reason, that feels good. I. I it's so stupid. But we are so close to 10,000 subscribers. You must, you must, it costs you nothing. It's so amazing. Smash the like button. like, <laughs> Smash the like button. All right. You didn't think I know that, which is insulting to me. But um, it, it's a good conversation starter on why wisdom, godly wisdom, is a skill you have to learn and practice and how to get it. Uh, some people are, um, they're not wise, but they're saved. And it's important to find, <laughs> sorry, to, I'm going to wrap up because honestly, I'm embarrassing myself. It's important that you are both saved and smart. Right? That wisdom is important. Okay. Three things out of uh, Luke 14. Number one, uh, you, you win by carrying a cross. Carrying your cross, And I'm in this debate the other day with a friend, and they're not Christian yet. I'm working on it, and they said, "You know, I just, Christianity is just not real. It's not realistic." They said, "Take take take marriage for example. Like, like the Old Testament people all had more than one wife. Now in the New Testament, you can only have one wife." That's not realistic. How do you know? Can I just tell you what I find fascinating? Is that it's only single single people who have this dilemma. Like they're acting like they got so many thousands of choices. (laughs) Buddy, nobody has said yes to you yet. Let's deal with number two when you've sorted out number one. Can I just be honest? I'm just saying come back to, they say, well, it's not practical, it's not practical, the Bible, it's not realistic. How do you know uh, if you marry the wrong person, then what? Well, let me tell you what will happen if you marry the wrong person. That might happen, I guess. Uh, The two of you will go before God, you'll walk in obedience to him, and you'll allow him to transform you, and you will become the right people for each other. That's taking up your cross and following Christ. We're just going through a thing, but we're gonna get there, and when we get there, it'll be perfect. Because that's how he does stuff. Do do you see what I mean? You take up your cross cross by saying, it's imperfect in this moment, but my savior is taking out of imperfect, and he is making it skillfully into perfect, for he's a wise master builder. We will throw away crosses all the time. With them around their necks, I want to carry them on their backs. Sorry. It's important to recognize there will be a little carrying season. You, 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 one day you marry, you have kids, and there's a tension between the craziness of kids and the commitment of family and going to church and all that. You're just going to say, That's the cross we're carrying right now. And it's imperfect, but you'll make it perfect. And if you keep throwing away the crosses, you lose all the benefits of resurrections. The beauty of coming out of brokenness to wholeness, the amazement of seeing a puzzle piece broken apart, Come together, the, the extraordinary joy of seeing the, what's missing complete. You lose all that if you just keep throwing the box away. Matthew 10 38. Um, I mean, whoever does not take up his cross, follow me, is not worthy of me. Um, you ascribe worth to something when you inconvenience yourself for it. I, I live on Mount Road. I, I, I don't come visit unannounced. That would be awkward. I live on Mount Road. I've got people who are up and down that street exercising. They cycle up and they cycle down. And they run up and they run down. In summer, there are a hundred. In winter, it's just two or three lonely souls. (laughs) (laughs) Up that hill, down the hill. You can measure the worth something is to you by the level of your inconvenience for it. A a, a skill to learn is get comfortable with inconvenience because inconvenience is a cross you carry, but it's how you win in life. It's how you win in life. The second example Jesus makes is the example of building a tower. Oh, there's lots about that in the Bible, the Tower of Babel. And how God didn't want that. But then there's towers built in fields as protection. And there's this particularly famous verse in Habakkuk or Habakkuk, depending on how you prefer to read it. It says, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on a tower and I will keep watch to see what he will say to me. Uh, a skill to learn is to separate yourself from everything else and just climb high enough above the noise to be able to hear Jesus. That's that's a skill. It's a powerful skill. You need to be able to. At some point in your life, you need to be able to say, become good at knowing what's God and what's not. That's a skill you want to learn. You to say, that's not God. This this is God. It's a skill you need to learn. And then you know this last example he uses um, in in Luke 14 is the example of one king fighting another king. And um, I I guess actually that um, example is about knowing which fights to, to pick. Because if you remember he said if you're going to go fight a king and you don't have enough resources to fight, you'll rather say, let's have terms of peace. This battle, let me simplify it for you. Uh, You need to learn the skill of what to make peace with and what to fight for. Because we can't change everything. We have to make peace with some things. I'll tell a story tonight from this morning, but I asked if I could tell it and I won't reveal names, Um, somebody came to me after the service for prayer. I was going to use a different, more personal example, but it seemed so pertinent. And they said, you know what, um, I'm just feeling lost. I want you to pray. But I'm lost for a reason. I grew up as an orphan, this person says. But last year I decided I would find my dad. So I asked my mom who to connect and after a little journey I found him. And she said uh, I met with him and he wasn't what I expected. He was cruel. He was cruel. And now I feel more like an orphan than ever before. Let me tell you uh, before we prayed my response. You have a heavenly father who fills all the missing gaps in your life. And now you know that God, out of his kindness, took you away from a cruel man. Because if he had not, You might not be the woman standing here getting the degree you're going to get at the end of this year, becoming the woman God intended for you. You are rescued by God from something that could have been very cruel. And you know, as hard as it is to process, but I've got friends who've got moms and dads, as hard as that might be, Make peace with this idea. God saved me. You have to make peace with it. Because we live in an imperfect place full of the effects of sin and the effects of brokenness. And if you don't make peace with some things and you keep trying to fight the invisible enemy, you will lose. But you can, you have permission to wake up one day and say, do you know what? I made peace with that. I processed it. I wept over it. I got angry about it. I prayed a few aggressive prayers and prayed down, you know, the beasts upon my dad that the beasts of the fields would bite him. You can do all those things. Listen, the Old Testament prophets sure did. Lord, send down fire. Like if you ever wanted to pray a prayer like that, like you pray it and the Lord doesn't answer. He goes, Oh shame, your heart's in the right place. But have you ever prayed a prayer have you ever prayed a prayer it's like Lord, may the, the car ignite, may the fleas of the dogs bite them to like have you ever felt like that's the kind of prayer? You're still close to Jesus, but you're annoyed. Get it all out your system and then go before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to make peace with this. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to be fighting against drowning for the rest of my life because of that. I am making terms of peace with that. Done. How's you going to keep picking fights that can't be won. And you need to become good at saying, I knew when to stay and I knew when it was time to walk away. It's a skill, and it's a skill that the Spirit enables us to do. So this conversation over the next couple of weeks, um, I'm encouraging you to ask the Lord to give you both a heart and a skillful hand like David. He had a heart of integrity, but a skillful hand. He knew how to win a fight the right kinds of fights. And ask the Lord to guide you over the next few weeks. By the time we get to the next term, I think that's the 23rd of July, some really exciting things are going to be shared and a whole new youth program is going to be activated and I'm going to get some additional uh, people to preach um, as God raises, I think I've introduced some of them to as God raises them up. Um, But over the next few weeks, Lord, Will you please make me skillful, a wise master builder? And perhaps, most importantly tonight, to give yourself permission to say, I've become good at that. It's okay to say, I'm good at that. God has made me able. Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. I um, just want to remind you, if if you don't already know, I know there are a couple of uh, first-timers tonight, Uh, there's a team that comes to the front to pray for anyone personally after a service. Like, if you feel like you want to make more out of your church um, experience and want somebody to pray with you, we'll do that. Also, we have communion at the front of all our churches and you're welcome to go before or during or after any service and just Serve yourself communion. Pray a little prayer and have communion. There are also confidential prayer cards there. And you can make a note and say, would you you guys pray for this or that? And then when the pastors meet together on a Wednesday morning, we go through all the cards and we pray for all the prayers. And if you want to tell us God has come through and you want to write a little praise report, thank you, Lord, um, for for resolving or, or healing or fixing, you write that down and we will celebrate with you. I just want you to know we're finding lots of ways of making church personal. And um, and then, of course, the best coffee in town, without a doubt, at 7 p.m. anywhere in the city right now. Just stay for that. So, Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that that we once we were... Far from you, but now we've been made close by the work of the cross. Please, will you help us acknowledge our failures, but also walk in our wins? That we are comfortable to say we're wise master builders, we're skillful master builders, that we are able, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Lord, will you teach us skills, not just a heart but a skillful hand also. And somehow that the combination of those two things will make us conquerors. A heart that's in the right place and a skillful hand ready for the task of the life that you've, you've given to us, the life that you have prepared for us. Will you help us navigate that journey wisely and carefully? And over the next few weeks, please will you teach us to be skillful with a heart after you at the same time? In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Would you give God a shout of praise and thanksgiving for talking to us? Please don't rush off. We'll stick around and pray for you. Otherwise, I'll, I'll look forward to meeting you in Warehouse One. Thank you, everybody, and God bless you.